Well, uh, one thing about uh, this evening is that the, uh, the great Vancouver snowfall has now melted away and life is now back to normal. <laughs> this is The Jazz Show, a regular feature on CITR. We're here every Monday night with some of the very best in jazz music. My name's Gavin Walker, and we have a whole lineup of music to play for you this evening. We're going to do, uh, later on in the show, um, a small tribute to one of the greatest Americans that ever lived. That was Martin Luther King. And, of course, it's not a holiday in Canada, but it is in the United States. And so we're going to play some appropriate jazz music that honors the life of Martin Luther King. We're going to do that a little later on in the show. And... We're also going to acknowledge the sad passing of one of the great historical, well, we can't call him a giant of jazz because he was only five foot three, but he certainly was a giant of music, and I'm talking about Jimmy Heath. Jimmy Heath, the saxophonist, the great tenor saxophonist, um, just an amazing musician and uh, a beautiful person as well, someone that you could approach uh, and, and learn so much from just from, uh, just from talking to him. And also he is one of the most witty and humorous um, people that you could ever meet. And um, Jimmy Heath, we're going to honor his music, some of his music, on the jazz show later on, and uh, you know, I'll talk about Jimmy Heath a little bit. He was uh, last here in Vancouver two years ago, at the um, in 2015 at the Vancouver International Jazz Festival, and he played at uh, Pyatt Hall with a group of much younger musicians. Jimmy at that time was 90 years old. And he sounded like a lion. Uh, he, he, it was absolutely wonderful and delivered a superb concert. And um, I must say that uh, Jimmy's passing is sad. Uh, he was 93 years old, but he died peacefully, um, died in his sleep. And um, we have so much to remember Jimmy Heath for. So we'll be doing that later on in the show. But first of all, we do, of course, our jazz feature. And the jazz feature tonight is one of the foremost bass players in the history of jazz. I'm talking about Paul Chambers. And Paul Chambers uh, was born in Pittsburgh, but raised in Detroit. He moved there when he was just um, a baby with his family. And they settled in, uh, in Motown. And uh, it wasn't long that uh, Paul began to uh, express an interest in music. And the first instrument he was given was a tuba. Well, he wasn't going to play that for very long. But uh, he tried the bass and found out that he had a natural talent for the acoustic bass. And um, it wasn't very long before Paul Chambers was playing with some of the finest musicians in Detroit. Um, legends, and th they were just coming up. As a matter of fact, people like Tommy Flanagan and Barry Harris and all kinds of great people. 
Paul eventually, um, once he was able to get himself completely together, uh, he made the decision to move to New York um, in early 1954 and began playing with some of the major musicians in New York City. And he was one of the, or the first of a lot of Detroit musicians that moved to New York because uh, recording studios were there, clubs were there, um, business was there, and New York, of course, is New York. And Paul was still a teenager. And he, um, of course, uh, began making recordings and was soon to be discovered by none other than Miles Davis. And he joined the the first great quintet that Miles Davis had formed with John Coltrane, uh, Red Garland on piano, um, Philly Joe Jones on drums, and of course, young Paul Chambers on bass. And Chambers was Miles' main bass player from 1955 right through until 1963. And um, he is on every Miles Davis recording during that period. And of course, not only was he working with Miles all the time, he was recording, he recorded literally hundreds of jazz albums as a sideman because everybody wanted him. Uh, he really set up the whole concept of bass playing in the, in the 50s. And um, he was very much in demand. He managed to make uh, some recordings under his own name, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, the sad thing about Paul Chambers is that he had a short life. He was born April 22, 1935, and he passed away in Detroit January 4, 1969. He was only 33, and he died from TB sad to say, and um, just through his own self-neglect, there was a bit of a history of um, drug addiction there, and there was also a history of alcoholism with Paul, and that was kind of a sad story. But uh, he certainly made his mark in music, and that's what we remember about Paul Chambers. He really set down such a wonderful concept of of playing the bass. So as I mentioned before, he made... um, I think about five albums under his own name, three for Blue Note Records and um, two for uh, the independent uh, Chicago label, VJ Records. And um, they're all good. And um, he, oh, he also made one for Jazz West. That, that that's a, an, uh, was an obscure West Coast label when Paul was uh, uh, on the West Coast with Miles Davis. He went into the studio then. Anyway, um, all of his records under his name are really good. And this particular one is perhaps the most obscure of the three Blue Note records that he made. It's simply called the Paul Chambers Quintet. And it's a hand-picked group of musicians um, among his favorites. And he actually asked um, the great Benny Golson... um, wonderful saxophone player, composer, to, to write a couple of tunes for this uh, um, recording date, uh, which Benny did, and I'll tell you about that in a second. 
the people that Paul picked were all from Detroit, except for the saxophone player. They were all buddies that um, uh, had moved to New York that Paul had played with for many years. And on trumpet was the great Donald Byrd, one of the most lyrical and wonderful trumpet players uh, of the 1950s, young man, very, very well educated, and uh, a wonderful trumpet player, Donald Byrd on trumpet. And of course, the poet of the piano, the great Tommy Flanagan, is on this particular recording session. And on drums, about two years before his historical alliance with John Coltrane, was the dynamic and very wonderful-sounding Elvin Jones with his unique sense of drive and rhythm. Um, Elvin is very special. And, of course, Paul Chambers on bass, leading the whole band. The ringer from Chicago is a wonderful saxophone player by the name of Clifford Jordan. And uh, so he's the one non-Detroiter in this band. But, of course, he and Donald Byrd blend so beautifully on the front line and the music is very swinging cohesive uh, it's just a wonderful document of the high quality of music that was being made um, in New York City at this particular time all of this was recorded May 19, 1957 at Rudy Van Gelder's studios for Blue Note Records and we get to the tunes uh, the first tune is the one, one of the tunes that Benny Golson wrote, especially for this date, and it features uh, Paul kind of right out front on the tune, and it's called Minor Rundown. Then a tune by Paul Chambers himself, a great uh, uh, tune with a Latin feel called The Hand of Love. Then we go to tune number three, which uh, the horns stay out of this one, and it's just a trio uh, with um, Tommy Flanagan on piano and Paul Chambers on the lead in on bass and Elvin Jones on drums and they do the standard softly as in a morning sunrise. After that, uh, another tune by Benny Golson re, um, composed for this recording session is called Four Strings, a appropriate title for a bass player. And then um, the next tune is a standard, is a ballad, actually. It normally is played as a ballad, but this time is played kind of as a medium bounce. And it's a great tune to play that way, too. And one of my favorite tunes is called What's New, written by Bobby Haggart. And the final tune is a Paul Chambers original composition called Beauteous. So this is Isaiah's feature album, and I know you're going to enjoy it. It's a Blue Note album by the Paul Chambers Quintet. Mr. Chambers, Mr. P.C., as he became known, on bass, leading Donald Byrd on trumpet, Clifford Jordan on tenor saxophone, Tommy Flanagan at the piano, and the great Elvin Jones on drums. And sit back and enjoy tonight's jazz feature.
And that was our jazz feature this evening, Mr. P.C., none other than Paul Chambers, leading a hand-picked group of musicians, mostly from um, his home city of Detroit. As I mentioned before, Paul was born in Pittsburgh but raised in Detroit, and that's where he first uh, learned how to play music. And, of course, uh, incredible bass player. And when you think of it, um, Paul was about <laughs> 20, 21 years old when he made this album. And, and all these um, musicians um, on this day were all, you know, young men in, in their 20s. I think Tommy Flanagan was maybe, the pianist was maybe the eldest. But uh, other than that, uh, these are just a bunch of young guys, you know. But the music was such, um, such a high level. A record like this, um, there were so many good records um, done during this particular uh, period in in the mid-50s for different jazz labels, and they they really supported the music, of course. You had record labels like Prestige, Blue Note, uh, Riverside. Uh, They were all putting out just fine um, albums, and this this is one of them. Um, It's just excellent music. It's not really meant to be revolutionary or anything else, but the the quality is so high. So I hope you enjoyed uh, tonight's jazz feature by one of the premier bass players of the 1950s and 60s, and of course was Miles Davis's main man on bass from 1955 until 1963. And um, Paul Chambers, of course, recorded literally hundreds of albums um, as a sideman, and did um, about five albums under his own name. And this is one of them, maybe the most obscure uh, of the three Blue Note ones that he did. Um, they're all very high quality, of course, as Blue Note records are. But this, uh, this particular one may be the one that's overlooked a little bit, and it shouldn't be because it's an excellent record, and I hope you enjoyed it. We heard Donald Byrd on trumpet, These are all the Detroit guys. Tommy Flanagan at the piano. Of course, Mr. Chambers on bass and the great Elvin Jones on drums. And from Chicago, the Windy City, Mr. Clifford Jordan on tenor saxophone with his distinctive blues-based sound and blending beautifully with with Donald Byrd. Um, Paul asked his friend Benny Golson to write a couple of tunes for the album, and Benny did that. And the first tune that we heard was written by Mr. Golson, featuring Paul out front, and it's called Minor Rundown. The second tune was a Paul Chambers composition called The Hand of Love. And then tune number three, uh, Without the Horns, um, we heard Paul doing Softly as in a Morning Sunrise a great standard tune played by all kinds of wonderful musicians. And the next tune was another Benny Golson original written for the date, and it's called Four Strings. And then we heard uh, a nice sort of medium bounce um, interpretation of one of the great ballads in jazz, but not played as a ballad, uh, but still very lyrical, bringing out some of the best Donald Byrd of the whole date. And that tune was, of course... Uh, Bobby Haggart's standard tune, What's New. And then the final tune we heard was a, a nice uh, flowing Paul Chambers composition entitled Beauteous. 
So that's it. And the album is uh, called simply The Paul Chambers Quintet. And that's exactly what we heard on tonight's jazz feature. So we hope you enjoyed that. We have uh, more music for you. I'd just like to remind you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or, of course, on your trusty computer, www.citr for live streaming. And my name is Gavin Walker. I mentioned that we're going to do some tributes on the show, and I think it's important because his message was so universal that we do a musical tribute to the one and only Martin Luther King. And jazz musicians were not averse to writing music in honor of Martin Luther King. Of course, we don't observe the holiday here in Canada, but it is observed uh, to our, by our neighbors to the south, as it should be, and it is a national holiday. And I think the thing to emphasize about Martin Luther King is that his message wasn't just for the United States of America. It was for the world. And I think that's how we should look at his message and what he gave because he gave his life for to preserve our freedom and the freedom of people of color and everyone. So his message is truly universal. We have some music dedicated to Martin Luther King, and I think the most prominent piece that we're going to hear is the first one. And it's called I Have a Dream, of course, which is one of the famous lines from his speech that he gave uh, in Washington in 1963. I have a dream. And the composer of that is none other than Herbie Hancock. And it's from his album, The Prisoner, which was his final album for Blue Note Records. And it features Herbie's new, newly formed band with a couple of musicians uh, augmenting the sound. The people involved in Herbie's band, one of my favorite trumpet players, little Johnny C. Johnny Coles on trumpet, along with the great Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone, on trombone, Garnet Brown. And, of course, Mr. Hancock on piano, Buster Williams on bass, and Albert Heath on drums, Tootie Heath. And augmenting the band is uh, Jerome Richardson on uh, bass clarinet and Hubert Laws, who you will hear on flute on this, and Tony Studd on bass trombone, sort of augmenting the ensemble sound of the band. And we're going to hear this beautiful piece of music dedicated to MLK, and it's called I Have a Dream. We're going to follow that without interruption by a piece by... Max Roach, the great drummer, and his quartet. And this piece of music is called The Prophet, but it opens with excerpts from Martin Luther King's famous speech. And we're going to hear then uh, 
the Max Roach composition dedicated to MLK entitled The Prophet, and it features Max Roach's quartet with uh, Cecil Bridgewater on trumpet, Odine Pope on tenor saxophone from Philadelphia, and Calvin Hill on bass. Then the final piece is a very beautiful, kind of settles things down, and it's just called Martin Luther King, I Know I Love. And it's written by baritone saxophonist Cecil Payne, the late Cecil Payne, and it features the great, late, uncrowned king on the trumpet, Kenny Dorham. Wynton Kelly uh, is on piano, Wilbur Ware is on bass, and once again, Albert Tootie Heath on drums. So three tunes dedicated to Martin Luther King. We open with I Have a Dream, we follow with The Prophet, and we follow that with Martin Luther King, I Know I Love. Here they are.
Thank you. 
dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal.
And that was a small tribute to one of the great iconic figures of the 20th century, Dr. Martin Luther King, and three pieces of music dedicated to the memory of Dr. King, written by some of our finest exponents of jazz. We opened with a wonderfully iconic piece from uh, Herbie Hancock's final Blue Note album that he did called The Prisoner. And the, the major piece of uh, music out of that album is a piece of music called I Have a Dream. And that was Herbie's new working band of the time with on trumpet Johnny Coles, on tenor saxophone Joe Henderson, on trombone Garnet Brown, and of course uh, Herbie Hancock on piano, Buster Williams on bass, and Tootie Heath on drums. And it was augmented by some other musicians um, increasing the sound of the ensemble on that piece. And we heard uh, Jerome Richardson on bass clarinet and uh, most prominently Hubert Laws on flute and uh, Tony Studd on bass trombone, augmenting the sound of uh, Hancock's quintet. I Have a Dream. The second piece of music was composed by the redoubtable, one of the greatest drummers in jazz, Mr. Max Roach and his quartet. And we heard excerpts from Dr. King's famous speech at the Washington Monument in 1963, and, of course, um, interpretation by Max Roach's quartet with Mr. Roach at the drums and Calvin Hill on bass, Cecil Bridgewater on trumpet, and Odine Pope on tenor saxophone. The final piece of music very mournful ode was written by the baritone saxophonist Cecil Payne, and that was entitled Martin Luther King, I Know I Love. And that featured, uh, of course, the great opening statement by the uncrowned king, Kenny Dorham, on trumpet, and then, of course, the rest of the piece was carried by Cecil Payne on baritone saxophone. He was accompanied by Winton Kelly at the piano, Wilbur Ware on bass, and Albert Tootie Heath once again on drums. So three pieces of music dedicated to the memory of Martin Luther King. And as I mentioned before, we don't um, commemorate Martin Luther King Day in Canada, but his message is really for all of us who live on this uh, planet, I think everybody involved, <laughs> you and me and uh, the guy next door and the girl next door and uh, everybody. All right, you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9, of course, on your friendly computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming. My name's Gavin Walker. We're going to carry on with some more music, but we have a few important announcements uh, for you, for your uh, edification and enjoyment. And uh 
Fundrive 2020, CITR's annual fundraiser extravaganza is almost upon us. This year's theme is Crush on CITR. And since we deal primarily in sound around here, we started wondering, what does a crush sound like? Hey, do you want to make out? It's like that um, filter on Instagram. It's like... Well, um, as great as those answers were, uh, we're kind of hoping this year a crush sounds a bit more like... Because your donations are what allow us to do, well, almost everything. Hosting free radio and podcast trainings, publishing the amazing Discorder magazine, producing local independent news, promoting and playing local music, and so much more. Our Fundrive goal is to reach $30,000 by February 14th. You can show your crush on CITR right now by visiting citr.ca slash donate. New age technologies, flexible business models, groundbreaking innovations. These will all be part of the conversation at the fifth annual UBC Africa Business Forum, the largest student conference of its kind in Western Canada. From the youngest presidential candidate of Nigeria to a BET-nominated Kenyan artist, as well as leading techpreneurs, there's an incredible lineup of speakers for the day. Come down to the Africa Business Forum on January 25th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. in the UBC Nest for a day of trailblazing innovation. Tickets available at ubcabc.ca. Assalamu alaikum UBC. Peace be upon you all. I'm Munira. I'm Rabia. And this is Asim. And we're from Muslim Students Association. We're super excited to host our flagship campaign called United Islam Awareness Week from January 20th to 24th at UBC. In collaboration with four other universities across Canada, we're looking to help build unity and understanding of a community that's often misunderstood. We'll be hosting daily exhibition booths throughout the week in the UBC Life Building. We're also pleased to host seminars with a diverse panel of keynote speakers each evening to delve deeper into specific themes in Islam. There will also be ample opportunity to ask questions and engage in dialogue while enjoying refreshments each night. This year's theme is Radical Islamic Honesty, speaking truth to everyone. For more event details, check out unitediaw.com or find us on Facebook at MSA UBC. We're also on the UBC events calendar. Hear about Muslims from Muslims. See you there! some uh, weather here in Vancouver. While we did have some weather, 
and uh, it seems to have uh, all dissipated, and we're kind of back to normal <laughs> for this time of year, anyway. Uh, so, yes, the weekly forecast is pretty predictable for um, yeah, the latter part of January. And tonight uh, we're going to witness a few showers. And then uh, after a few showers, we're going to have periods of rain. <laughs> so it means more showers. And it's going to get windy overnight as well. So with a low down to about 6. Then tomorrow and Wednesday, periods of rain. That's basically it. Lows of 6, highs of 8. Thursday... Well, I guess maybe the rain will be a little more in, um, intermittent, but it's still going to be rain for Thursday. <laughs> Not much change. Low of 6, high of 9. And then periods of rain once again. Yeah, our old friend is back for Friday and Saturday um, with lows between 6 and 8 and highs between 9 and 10. And then maybe a little bit of a break uh, on Sunday. Uh, cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower. So maybe we're going to see a little bit of a, uh, a breakthrough, um, maybe even a ray of sunshine or something. But anyway, that's the typical weather for the week. Uh, Sunday is going to be a low of 5 and a high of 8. So that's basically, uh, you all got it for the rest of the week. So get your umbrellas up. I don't think we're going to see any more snow here, at least for a while. But you never know. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. You know, I heard something on the radio today about uh, Blue Monday. You know, this is supposed to be the most depressing day of the week uh, or of the, of, of the year. Um, and uh, people were talking about it and so on. And of course, it's, it's kind of a myth. But it may be true as well because, uh, you know, it's uh, post-holiday time. The bills are coming in. Um, the month of January is, is stretching out. Um, it seems to be a never-ending month, all that kind of stuff. And a certain amount of maybe boredom uh, comes in. Mind you, you know, we had that pretty exciting weather last week. So I don't know why anybody got bored. <laughs> But at least we weren't Newfoundland, okay? Anyway, um, Blue Monday. Yeah, it's kind of uh, one of those. Uh, somebody actually said, you know, I, they think that Blue Monday was maybe invented by Hallmark Cards or something to sell more product. Who knows? But we're going to play a piece of music called Blue Monday, and it was written by the great pianist Joe Sample. And one of my favorite bands, and it remains an underrated band in my estimation, was the Jazz Crusaders. I'm not talking about the later edition, which was the Crusaders. 
uh, where they dropped the word jazz. This was when they were the jazz crusaders. The thing about this band is that they were based basically in Los Angeles, and they they um, didn't have that kind of um, New York credibility, even though these were all master musicians. So we have most of the guys were all from Texas, except for the bass player who you heard on um, one of the Martin Luther King tribute tracks. I'm talking about Buster Williams is on bass here. But the rest of the Crusaders were all from Texas, and the nominal leader was Nesbert Hooper, who plays the drums, Styx Hooper, and on piano, the great Joe Sample, who did all the arrangements for the band, Wayne Henderson on trombone, and Wilton Felder on tenor saxophone. And this is a piece of music written by Joe Sample, and it's dedicated to today. It's called Blue Monday. Well, your, your, your genius engineer, who is me, actually punched the wrong button. So that's why, <laughs> that's why we had that pregnant pause. So now we're going to hear the music.
Yes, and that was Blue Monday by the Jazz Crusaders. I emphasize that. <laughs> That's what they were called until, uh, well, there was uh, some personnel changes, and then they, they kind of switched styles. But uh, an incredible band. And um, as I mentioned, um, all these guys immigrated to Los Angeles. They were all from Texas originally. And... Um, Funnily enough, you know, they, they played under the name, uh, they played R&B um, for uh, um, R&B clubs around L.A. when the jazz, cl- uh, you know, when they didn't have jazz gigs. So they kept themselves busy uh, in the young days, and they used to call themselves the Nighthawks. And, of course, they had a couple of singers, and, and, and they backed, um, they, uh, they performed around uh, uh, some of the R&B clubs in L.A. And then, of course, when they got jazz gigs, they became the Jazz Crusaders. So um, they were pretty busy for, for many, many years. Great musicians, of course, uh, led by uh, the nominal leader, of course, was, uh, and founder was uh, Nesbert Hooper, Styx Hooper, the drummer, on bass, and they always used different bass players. Whoever was available or living uh, in L.A. at the time, they switched bass players quite often. But uh, for this particular date, Buster Williams was playing bass, one of the great bass players. On piano, of course, Joe Sample, uh, Wayne Henderson on trombone, Wilton Felder on tenor saxophone, who was also became an incredible electric bass player. And um, he actually gave up playing the, the saxophone and, and uh, s- stuck to electric bass in, in later years. Great, great musician. Anyway, that was a piece of music dedicated to today, January 20th, and it was called Blue Monday, written by Joe Sample. Yeah, from an album, uh, came out on Pacific Jazz, an album called Uh-Huh. You know, today is the birthday of one of the greatest drummers in jazz. He is um, the sole living member of Miles Davis's famous Kind of Blue band. Uh, all, all those gentlemen have passed on to the great band in the sky, except for drummer Jimmy Cobb, who is still performing around New York. 
Um, as a matter of fact, he played with a couple of friends of mine just recently, uh, Peter Bernstein, a wonderful guitarist. And um, uh, Jimmy is still very active. Uh, he is 84 years old and uh, plays as good as he ever did. He's on scads of recordings, of course, because like Paul Chambers, who was our jazz feature artist, Jimmy Cobb was just, um, especially after playing with Miles Davis, somehow Miles, when you had that kind of credibility that you had played or were playing with Miles Davis, then you were phoned all the time for, for side mandates, if available. And Jimmy Cobb, of course, was uh, so adaptable, and, and he could play anyone's music. A wonderful drummer. We're going to hear him on this. This is a very rare date, by the way, and it took place in Baltimore at the famous ballroom. And the famous ballroom was the home um, uh, area of the Left Bank Jazz Society. And they had regular jazz concerts, and they hired the famous ballroom because, well, it was famous, <laughs> and there was lots of room. They could bring in lots of people. And some of our great jazz musicians put together bands that played there. And fortunately, sometimes there were recordings, as in the case of this one. And this one features, well, Winton Kelly is the leader, great pianist, along with one of the most wonderful tenor saxophonists you're ever going to hear. And, of course, both Kelly and tenor saxophonist Hank Mobley uh, were alumnuses of um, Miles Davis. Uh, they had both worked many years with Miles Davis. And Hank Mobley is in great form on here. On bass, Cecil McBee. And on drums, Jimmy Cobb. And we're going to hear a piece of music uh, called Milestones. And it was actually written by Miles Davis, and this uh, quartet is going to play it for you. Um, it's kind of interesting. This is a great performance, and, and uh, there's a, a moment in here where, where Hank, uh, during Hank Mobley's solo, he, he gets a little hung, and um, it's almost like um, he's lost his train of thought, and uh, it's amazing how well the band kind of fills in until he gets back on track and delivers uh, a marvelous solo. But anyway, that's what happens, uh, you know, spontaneous uh, music. And you, you kind of had to be there uh, to hear it. And so you will be there on this piece. And it features uh, some great drumming by Jimmy Cobb. So here is Milestones.
an incredible piece of music dedicated and in tribute to one of the great drummers in jazz, Jimmy Cobb, who was uh, heavily featured on that particular piece. Of course, that was the Winton Kelly Quartet, and that was recorded in November of 1967 at the uh, Left Bank Jazz Society in Baltimore, which was the uh, kind of uh, central point for uh, jazz music. And that took place at the uh, famous ballroom. That's uh, where the Left Bank Jazz Society rented the room uh, for their jazz concert. So we heard Winton Kelly on piano, who was the leader, uh, along with Hank Mobley, the great Hank Mobley on tenor saxophone, Cecil McBee on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. Now, I erroneously said he was 84. (laughs) I I was wrong. Um, Sometimes... I am wrong, yes. Jimmy Cobb was born January 20th, today, in 1929. He is 91 years old and still gigging and performing and playing brilliantly. So uh, we heard some of his brilliant playing right on this uh, particular piece of music, of course, which was written by his old boss, Miles Davis, and called Milestones. And uh, fabulous drum solo by Jimmy Cobb. So that's a small tribute to this uh, great drummer, of course, who is uh, famous for being the only surviving member now of the famous kind of blue band, of course, um, that Miles Davis took into the studio and recorded that iconic album. And uh, Jimmy is the uh, surviving member. So there you go. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or, of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're going to be paying tribute pretty soon to the great, late, sadly departed Jimmy Heath. He was 93, but he had a long, good life, and uh, we're going to play some music by Jimmy Heath and in tribute to his uh, productivity and his incredible talent. But I'd just like to mention a couple of websites um, before we get into the music, and that's the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. Uh, That is coastaljazz.ca. They have concerts uh, that they produce throughout the year, and of course, uh, those of you that know about the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, they bring you the Big Jazz Festival every year, which they'll be doing this year, of course, without fail. But they have um, concerts during the year that they produce, so they don't sleep. Um, They're always busy, and um, it's uh, always, uh, they're a very vital organization and very important to the music community here in Vancouver. And, of course, um, there is Frankie's. Frankie's Jazz Club, which, of course, is down on Beattie Street, and it's right across from BC Place. That club is programmed by Corey Weeds, of course, who uh, owned the uh, cellar out on West Broadway, Corey Weeds Cellar, for 13 or so years. And um, he performs uh, every Wednesday with uh, a really fine organ-based trio. Um, and uh, Corey, of course, is a, a very vital voice on the tenor saxophone. But he also programs the music at Frankie's, and there's always excellent music there. 
And if you want to access um, the schedule for Frankie's, it's very easy. You get onto the Coastal Jazz and Blues website, coastaljazz.ca. You can book a table um, or a couple of tables, whatever, uh, and uh, even pay the cover and do all that kind of stuff online uh, before you get there. And, of course, you'll be guaranteed uh, a good seat to see whoever you want to see. So that's uh, Frankie's, and uh, that is all accessible on this uh, website, coastaljazz.ca. And the other fine website to check out is put together by my old friend Brian Nation, and that's vancouverjazz.com. And Brian keeps that one up to date. There's always new information on there. There's biographies and all kinds of links on there. So if you're uh, interested in the jazz scene or want to become more informed about the jazz scene in Vancouver, both of those websites are valid. That's uh, coastaljazz.ca or vancouverjazz.com. And I always like to mention Pat's Pub. And Pat's Pub, of course, is located in the historic Patricia Hotel in the Vancouver's downtown east side. And they have jazz there, good jazz, solid jazz, played by some of our finest musicians every Saturday afternoon from 3 to 7. And the nice thing about Pat's Pub, it's very comfortable in there. There's plenty uh, of uh, nice variety of beverages, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the nice thing about it is that there's never a cover charge. There never has been, and there never will be. And uh, yet, it's a really good place to hear some of our finest musicians. And a wonderful trumpet player, uh, who has been part of Vancouver's jazz scene for many years, will be playing there this Saturday. Vincent Mai. And uh, if you haven't heard Vincent, well, you better. He is uh, absolutely phenomenal. And he's bringing in his group to perform for you at Pat's Pub in the historic Patricia Hotel. So that's it. Get down there early. Uh, music starts at 3 and carries on until 7 at, uh, at Pat's Pub. So check it out. Back to music and back to our tribute to the great Jimmy Heath. Jimmy, um, of course, was born the famous musical Heath family in Philadelphia. And his uh, older brother, of course, was the great Percy Heath, bassist. His younger brother is still very much alive, and uh, he's a good friend as as well. I'm talking about Albert Heath, Tootie Heath. And uh, he is the surviving Heath brother. And uh, Jimmy uh, passed away just yesterday. And uh, he was 93 years old. And, of course, uh, tributes all over the world um, to Jimmy. He was really uh, one of the great masters of music. He was not only a wonderful saxophone player, he's a composer, an arranger, and a teacher, and a mentor. Um, Jimmy had been through the jazz wars. Um, he, of course, emerged in Philadelphia. He started writing um, uh, for big bands uh, in Philadelphia. Then he ended up playing with uh, a great trumpet player by the name of Howard McGee. He was associated uh, with Miles Davis a couple of times. Uh, he made some historic uh, recordings with Miles in, in the uh, 50s. Uh, which are available on Blue Note Records, and Jimmy did um, many of the arrangements on those uh, recordings. 
And uh, unfortunately, something happened in the 50s, and, and it happened to a lot of musicians. Um, Jimmy got caught up in the uh, narcotics and um, uh, developed a heroin habit, which was um, rather devastating for him. And he was caught and given a very severe sentence um, because he was accused of also trafficking. And um, again, he didn't have too much money to hire a, a lawyer to get out of this, and the judge threw a very, very heavy sentence at Jimmy Heath. And um, he was gone from the scene from 1954 to 1959. Um, he survived that. Uh, he ended up um, uh, teaching music uh, in, in prison. He was able to play his saxophone. Uh, a friendly warden uh, knew who he was and knew that he would be valuable to uh, uh, do this kind of thing. So he wasn't inactive. He just uh, obviously was in prison. And he wrote music um, and arrangements and uh, was able to, um, his, his brothers, uh, would visit him, and of course he would. Um, Jimmy would give him, uh, give them uh, his arrangements for various bands, and um, they would uh, they would sell his arrangements, and of course and 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 uh, deposit the money in Jimmy's bank account. So when he finally emerged from this horrible prison sentence, and he was clean and sober, never looked back after that. Uh, that was an experience, and of course, uh, he always freely talked about it. But um, when he came out, he actually replaced briefly John Coltrane in Miles Davis's uh, quintet. Coltrane had left, and um, Miles was looking for a replacement, and uh, Jimmy Heath was the first person he called to replace John Coltrane. Unfortunately, Jimmy had to remain on parole for a year, and his parole uh, conditions didn't allow him to travel. So he only did a few gigs with Miles and wasn't able to travel out of the immediate New York area. So he had to give that position up. But something else wonderful happened. He signed a recording contract with Riverside Records. And the great Oren Keepnews, who owned Riverside Records, became one of Jimmy Heath's biggest fans and close friends as well and gave Jimmy a lot of opportunities to record for that label and produced his very first album under his own name. So we're going to hear a couple of tracks from this album. It came out on Riverside Records. It was called The Thumper. And um, for all the times that uh, Jimmy had been on the scene, this was his first album under his name. And it contains um, the majority of tunes are his compositions and his arrangements. And he, Jimmy, put together a wonderful band. He's heard here on tenor saxophone, sounding absolutely marvelous, with Nat Adderley on cornet, Cannonball's brother, Curtis Fuller on trombone, Winton Kelly on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, who was our jazz feature artist this, uh, tonight, and um, his brother, Albert Heath Tootie on drums. So we're going to hear a couple of tunes from this album called The Thumper, and uh, maybe three tunes. We're going to open with uh, one called For Miners Only, 
because it's written in a minor key. And then we're going to hear one called, we're going to hear The Thumper, which is the title track. And we're going to hear one dedicated to Orrin Keep News that is called New Keep because <laughs> Jimmy Heath's mother um, didn't call him Mr. Keep News. She called him Mr. New Keep. <laughs> so there you go. So that's how that title came about. So anyway, we're going to hear these three tunes from this album, The Thumper, as uh, the beginning of our tribute to the great Jimmy Heath. Thank you. 
We're paying tribute right now to the great Jimmy Heath, and this was his very from his very first album under his own name, uh, recorded in uh, the latter part of 1959 in New York City for Riverside Records, and it was called The Thumper. And we heard, of course, a hand-picked group put together by Jimmy. Um, and, of course, he was playing tenor saxophone with Nat Adderley on cornet and Curtis Fuller on trombone, Winton Kelly on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Albert Tootie Heath on drums. And we heard three Jimmy Heath compositions and arrangements. The first one was a famous one called For Minors Only, and that's been recorded uh, by a lot of people. The second piece of music was the title track, and it's called The Thumper, and the third kind of happy-sounding piece was dedicated to the Jimmy's friend and the owner of Riverside Records, Orrin Keep News, and that was called New Keep. As I mentioned before, that's, <laughs> that's Mrs. Um, Heath, Jimmy Heath's mom. Uh, she didn't call him Mr. Keep News. She called him Mr. New Keep, and so that's, so that's why Jimmy made that tune uh, or uh, put the title on that tune, kind of dedicated to his mom. New Keep and Orrin Keep News, of course. Now, I mentioned before that Orrin Keep News had become a very good friend and supporter of Jimmy Heath. And um, don't forget, Riverside Records was a small independent label. And uh, there wasn't a lot of money to throw around. But um, Orrin Keep News found finances to um, help Jimmy Heath put together a big band record which was kind of rare um, uh, for a small label because of the cost involved. Um, but for Jimmy Heath, uh, Oren would do anything. And, of course, he knew that one of Jimmy's dreams uh, at that time was to have a big band. So at least he got a temporary big band um, for this particular recording date. And the album was called, came out uh, on Riverside, and it was called Really Big. And it featured... Um, wonderful uh, uh, trumpet section with Clark Terry uh, and Nat Adderley in the trumpet section, um, Tommy McIntosh on trombone, Dick Berg on French horn, and Julian Cannonball Adderley on alto saxophone and Pat Patrick on baritone saxophone. On piano, Tommy Flanagan. On bass, big brother Percy Heath. And on drums, little brother Albert Heath, uh, all put together in this, uh, in this big band. And we're, we're going to hear three uh, Jimmy Heath compositions uh, from this album called Really Big. And the first one uh, is a tune dedicated to his big brother and his, the oldest Heath, and that was bassist Percy Heath, and Jimmy called it Big P. Uh, the second piece of music is entitled Mona's Mood, Mona became the devoted wife of Jimmy Heath. Um, he was, um, knew her uh, before he was uh, sent to prison, and she stuck with him and, uh, and supported him. And when he came out, they decided to marry, and that's what they did. And uh, they were together right up to the very end. Mona is still... Um, alive 
And of course, uh, as I mentioned before, Jimmy Heath passed away yesterday at 93. So the second tune that we're going to hear is entitled, dedicated to Mona, Jimmy's wife, and it's called Mona's Mood. And the third tune, the closing tune on this set, is uh, another Heath composition called Nails. So here then is are some excerpts from this big band album, Really Big. And we begin with Big P.
We heard three excerpts from uh, a wonderful album, Jimmy Heath's first big band album, produced by Riverside Records and uh, in cooperation with uh, the owner who approved the budget (laughs) for Jimmy to have a big band on this one. And the album was called Really Big. And it featured, of course, all the compositions and arrangements by Jimmy Heath. We heard three of them. Uh, The first one was dedicated to his big brother, Percy Heath, who was the bass player here. And that was called Big P. And it featured uh, Jimmy, of course, soloing on tenor saxophone and Nat Adderley on cornet. The ballad of the date was dedicated to Jimmy's wife, Mona, and it was entitled Mona's Mood. And uh, the final piece was called Nails. And uh, we heard Jimmy soloing on tenor saxophone. We heard Clark Terry and Nat Adderley uh, trade a few phrases. And uh, we also heard uh, big brother uh, Julian Adderley on uh, alto saxophone solo on the on this piece too and of course the a wonderful rhythm section tommy flanagan at the piano percy heath on bass and little brother albert heath on drums and of course the rest of the guys in the band so three tunes um, that contained uh, jimmy heath compositions and arrangements really big I'm going to feature a little more Jimmy Heath in a context that uh, he was not often heard in. And that's with one of my all-time favorite Hammond organists. I'm talking about the great Don Patterson. And this is from an album called These Are Soulful Days. It came out on Muse Records. Um, And Don Patterson is the leader. But who's playing tenor saxophone on here? None other than Jimmy Heath. On guitar, Pat Martino. And once again, on drums, Albert Tootie Heath. He's everywhere. And all of this was recorded in New York in September of 1973. We're going to hear the title track, which was written by a fellow Philadelphian, um, Cal Massey. Actually, Don Patterson was originally from Ohio, but spent his final years, uh, for many years, as a resident of Philadelphia. So... There's the connection with all these Philadelphia-based musicians here, Um, including the composer of this piece of music, which I've always loved. It's the title track from this album, and it's Cal Massey's tune, These Are Soulful Days. And then we're going to hear um, an up-tempo version of a Dizzy Gillespie composition called Blue and Boogie. So here then, Don Patterson on Hammond, Organ, leading everybody, including our featured artist here, Jimmy Heath on tenor saxophone. Thank you. 
Yeah. Don Patterson. The great Don Patterson on the Hammond organ, leading, uh, what a band, Pat Martino on guitar, Jimmy Heath on tenor saxophone. This is the only uh, time that I've known Jimmy to uh, perform with uh, or record with uh, an organ-based band. And Brother Albert Heath, of course, on drums. Uh, he is always welcome. And we heard two tunes from this album, uh, These Are Soulful Days. And uh, we heard the title track, written by Philadelphian Cal Massey. And uh, then we followed that with Dizzy Gillespie's uh, great composition called Blue and Boogie, Fast Blues. Don Patterson, Jimmy Heath, Pat Martino, and Albert Heath, all recorded in New York City, September 1973. We're going to... um, Go to an album which, to me, is the definitive Jimmy Heath album. I've always loved this album from the first time I had it on LP. And, of course, it's been reissued on, on, uh, on CD. And this is an album called Picture of Heath. And it was recorded in New York in 1975 and produced by the great Don Schlitten um, for originally for um, Xanadu Records. And uh, this particular time in Jimmy Heath's life, he hadn't uh, actually recorded for a couple of years, and I think he was uh, very happy to be back in the studio with a hand-picked Cadillac rhythm section here with the great Barry Harris on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums. And we're going to hear a tune that we heard earlier uh, from an earlier Jimmy Heath album. This is kind of an updated version of it, but uh, it is, um, I'm playing it because it's an incredible performance. And uh, the sound quality, of course, on this album is really, uh, really wonderful, too. And you really hear the, the beauty of, uh, of Jimmy's tenor and all his, you know, phrasing and uh, all the, the wonderful um, aspects of, of his playing. And then we're going to follow that with his favorite ballad, where he picks up the soprano saxophone for uh, a part of it and I think finishes the tune on tenor saxophone. And we're going to hear, of course, the Jimmy Heath version of an anthem for saxophone players. It was really started by Coleman Hawkins back in 19... 19- uh, 39, and that, of course, and it became a saxophone player's specialty. And, of course, that's Johnny Green's great standard, Body and Soul. So we're going to hear those two tunes. Once again, Jimmy Heath on tenor and uh, soprano saxophone, Barry Harris on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums. And we begin with Jimmy's composition, Four Minors Only. Thank you. 
Thank you. 
And so ends our tribute to the late, great Jimmy Heath, one of the masters of music and one of the masters of the tenor saxophone and the soprano saxophone, too. We heard him play both on this set. This is from an album which originally came out on Xanadu Records, and it's called Picture of Heath. And it's a very personal statement by Jimmy Heath. We heard... um, Jimmy, of course, with Barry Harris on piano, who is still very much with us, and the late Sam Jones on bass and the late Billy Higgins on drums. And all of this was recorded uh, September 22nd, 1975, in New York City. Jimmy Heath. And we heard first um, his own composition for minors only, and then we heard Jimmy play his favorite ballad, which, of course, was Johnny Green's Immortal Body and Soul. And we heard Jimmy on both soprano and tenor on that uh, piece. And the final piece was a nice, relaxed version of another famous composition of Jimmy Heath that Miles Davis recorded, a piece of music called CTA. And um, that became uh, a standard at jam sessions uh, for many, many years, CTA by Jimmy Heath. So concludes another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR and, of course, our tribute to this great musician. Jimmy Heath won't be a stranger on future shows for sure. But uh, we draw this one to a close, and we'd like to thank you for if you were here for part of the time. That's wonderful. If you were here for the whole show, uh, that's even better. And I'd like to thank you on behalf of uh, CITR 101.9 or, of course, uh, for live streaming, CITR.ca, and myself, Gavin Walker, and we'll see you uh, in seven days' time. So take care and, uh, well, try and stay out of the rain, huh? (laughs) Okay, bye for now.